0: Episode 70 of the ABC GCI Coffee Break Podcast. My name is Allison Jackson, joined each week by Mike Maloney and Kayla Rodriguez-Santiago. How's everybody doing this morning? Feeling gravy. Good, great, wonderful. Before we get into it, let's uh, just give a quick moment to highlight our sponsors. We have Skilled Trades Partners as our presenting partner, and then we also have Nardone Electric as our lightning round sponsor. Mike, tell us a little bit about our presenting partner and sponsor.
1: Uh, skilled Trades Partners is a skilled trades construction recruitment agency. They're built on Blue Call Respect. Uh, they take very good care of their employees. They give their people vacation, sick pay, holiday pay, me- medical, dental, and a ton of much-deserved perks. Uh, You'll be working with Seth and Mary Chisholm out there, and companies can Tell them about the kinds of projects and companies that you're looking for and the career path you desire. They can connect you with quality people that match the skills and expectations. So we're very appreciative to have skilled trades partners on board with us again this week, as well as Nardone Electrical Corporation, established in 1984. They specialize in numerous aspects of the electrical business with a strong emphasis on design, build, and fast track. Our di- uh, their diverse sector their strengths, and the evolving needs of their clients. So uh, we want to thank Steve Vardone. He has been an amazing partner this entire time. He is a huge supporter of the podcast, so thanks to Steve Vardone. And uh, we would like to say this is episode 70, so who would have thought 70 episodes ago that this uh, little endeavor took off the ground and is a machine just chugging along here. So I'd like to thank both my co-hosts for being part of the wild ride, and it's been a crazy time.
0: It puts us over, what, like a year and a half almost. We started yeah. when? October, November 2021, right?
1: It, and it, it's crazy that, you know, for a quick little idea has bloomed into this crazy thing. So thanks to you guys for being on the wild ride. I know it's uh, it does take some extra time during the, 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 the work week to spend a few minutes doing this, but we all enjoy it. And we like being there for the members. So. Uh we always say for the members by the members. So thanks to, to all the members that have been part of this episode 70. We're looking forward to our push towards episode 30 here in a couple of couple of months. So um I know episode we talked about
0: 30, 30, uh, 30 more episodes. Episode 100.
1: Uh and then so this week, you know, I know we'll talk about the alien stuff, but I did send over uh a link in our Slack channel here about the podcasts, that, you know, that I found. After watching some stuff on social media, that 1996 an alien craft had landed in Brazil. And I'm trying to get my co host ideas for this one. And it's funny, as I talk to people, a lot of people believe in there's people out there. So I know uh, in my talks with the guys over at Joe Ben, uh, Ben Franklin Prince, which is an ABC member, uh, they're huge believers in uh, extraterrestrial life.
0: I mean, I would have to completely agree. I definitely believe in aliens. I can't say that I've ever seen one. I can't say that I've ever seen a UFO. Um But I mean, I think that it's completely fair to assume that there is other life out there. I mean, there's other universes, right? I mean, scientists are even now finding new universes. there's I, I correct. I don't know if I'm completely right on this, but I read something. I saw a TikTok um, of that. There's two (laughs) universes or galaxies or something out there that are really close to like colliding and becoming this like, or like colliding into a black hole or something crazy. Um, And so I guess to think that, There's no life whatsoever out there and truly what this one planet and this one galaxy is the only thing with any, it doesn't have to be human life. It doesn't even have to be like animals. It could be anything, plants, any type of microorganisms, but there's no way that we're the only type of life in existence in the entire existence of the universe. I think that's insane. And the,
1: the, the, the article says people claim they saw aliens after UFO crash lands in Brazil in 1996. It's a documentary on Apple uh, Plus, right? And it says the United States Air Force in January thirteenth, nineteen 1996, shoots down the UFO, which crashes crashes six miles from a medium-sized town in southeastern Brazil. Seven days later, two sisters and a 21-year-old friend spot a tiny frightened alien with big red eyes crouching by a wall. They run screaming back to their mother. And it says the Brazilian police and military capture at least two aliens one of which scratches an officer, infecting and ultimately killing him for dying along with his extraterrestrial comrades. It's a vast cover up by the Brazilian military enforced with death threats lasts for 26 years. Wow. And it's Holy a, cow. Right?
0: I need to watch this.
1: What the? Okay. So for Mike, Mike is very skeptical
0: about yep. alien life, right? That there is anything that lives beyond Earth. Mm-hmm. But there are
1: all these stories, right? We've been talking about how many times have we talked about aliens on the podcast? Maybe three, four times already. I and think we might be
0: turning Mike over into a believer, Kayla, because I, I, one of the first things Mike ever said to me when he started working here was that he didn't believe in space. And from then on, it's been rocky between him and I. you verbatim said that to me. I don't believe in space. You said that. your words. You said I don't believe in space. I said, what are you talking about? I don't believe in Do you space. Not follow That's what you the said. NASA site on Instagram. <laughs> Come on. There's a lot I don't going
1: if I, on. I don't, if I, I don't believe in space. You did, I promise. Because like, <laughs> I've never think...
0: forgotten it as long as I've been alive since then. It's the craziest thing I've ever heard.
1: I'm also a flat earther. Did I tell you that too? <laughs> oh, I, no. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm not a flat earther. Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> That's um, another topic. <laughs> but this entire little town or medium-sized town or city in Brazil, it like there's like spaceship-themed stores and restaurants and the bus stops and there's a water tower. Uh, they... Again, there's been no pictures, no proof. Uh, they, if you uh, read the article, it says that, uh, you know, one person claimed that it wasn't an alien; that it was like a, a, a very dirty, well-known homeless man, and that the people had seen and had lost his teeth and looked kind of like an alien. And there's, there's no pictures. No one's ever taken a picture of this. So, uh, I would say if you have Apple Plus, go check out. Uh, it's called Moment of Contact. I mean, if we want to make that argument, nobody's ever taken a picture of, of Jesus. Santa Claus. So were, Santa Claus. Weren't there no cameras said, you know, back
0: when they say Jesus was alive?
1: Correct. But those drawings. I'm not. I'm
0: not there are no, that's drawings. true. That's true. There's also drawings like imaginary characters. And stuff.
1: 1996. <laughs> not didn't to say have that
0: a... he was imaginary. I'm just saying, like, I don't know if we could necessarily say, oh, if there were cameras that's true. drawings. That's not a valid, valid. Bad. Yeah. Fact. You're right. You're right.
1: The, yeah, the article very cool. is very, very interesting. It's, it's very, They I said, it made it sound like a bee that smelled like uh, the one couldn't get the smell out of her nose for days. She tried to wash it out. Nose out with alcohol and water It was a strong sulfur smell that the neighborhood set up a barricade. The police set up a barricade on the neighborhood it had brown skin with an oil or grease on the body. It had big head with red eyes and no pupils the face was like a reptile. Oh, here we go again with the reptilian planet again,
2: so,
1: like a frog it keeps with strange up. eyes, three times bigger than ours, and three protuberances on the top of its head.
0: Sounds like the peak of COVID. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> right? It sounds like me in the morning. I'm just
1: kidding. All right. So if you uh, believe in, if you don't believe in space, I guess like me, uh, it, I don't know where that came from. Uh, Check out me the movie. You were the one
0: that said it.
1: <laughs> in the Roswell of Mexico. It's on Apple Plus. And if you're a believer in aliens and you want to try to convince me, I'm I'm all for it. I'm all about learning. But uh
0: really quick before we move on, because did you see about in China how there was a rainbow scarf in the sky? Did you see this? I'm gonna show you on the screen what it looked rain-
1: like. A rainbow, a rainbow scarf?
0: Like it was a light. It's oh. Light, there we go. A, around the cloud. In the sky in China, and that was
1: that was aliens.
0: No, they. I don't know if they're saying it's aliens. I'm just saying it's a bizarre happening. Really bizarre, Uh, but really beautiful. Which I'm sure people did think, oh, it could be aliens. It could be a hoax. It could be photoshopped. It could be this. It could be that. Who knows? I found out on TikTok. Like, wow. I'm looking at the photos now, and it almost like it's a a cylinder. Like it just it's a circle. Yeah, bizarre
1: around the clouds. That looks beautiful. Has, I've never
0: seen anything like that before.
1: Men, Men in black, it like it was a space balloon. It was a gaseous space balloon, and they like wiped the guy's memories. Man, that's what's just like. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, the journey, the journey to changing Mike into a believer of aliens continues. It's a long journey. I guess I have to first believe in space, then I can believe in space aliens. Well,
0: let's see. We'll right.
1: see. Uh, This week's guest on the podcast is uh, Ryan Kiskaden. He- Welcome to the podcast. Children's book author, Ryan Cadden. Ryan, welcome to the podcast.
2: Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here and can't wait to talk about all the different things that are going on in the skilled trades, obviously, and the plumbing industry, too.
1: And uh, it, for people that have been listening to the podcast for a couple of months now, we've had several children's book authors on, but not only is Ryan a children's book author, an author in general... But he's also very heavily involved in the trades, which is fantastic. And from our conversations, uh, how we all realize how important the trades are to everything we do. But we always focus a lot of our energy on the high school students, right? But this is a book meant more for the younger generation than middle school. So, Ryan, why don't you tell us about yourself and how you got involved in this industry?
2: Absolutely. So so I am a, a college graduate, and my first real-world job was working for an HVAC and plumbing wholesaler, uh, that was well over 12 years ago now, and I've made some detours along the way, but I've worked for uh, major plumbing manufacturers, had a chance to run a nonprofit for a period of time, still focused on our space, recycling mercury-containing thermostats. And look, some of my best friends in the entire world are are blue-collar by trade, either what they do for a living or just where they grew up and who they are. So it means a lot to me, And and my brother-in-law is a master plumber, so, um, you know, I, it's one of those things, I'm sure, as everyone has said, that once you start working in this industry, it's really hard to leave it. I'm probably a product of that now. <laughs> I'm, I'm hard to get out of it at this point, but uh, I feel very passionate about this need to grow the skilled trades, the awareness, and also to make sure that the next generation knows about all the, the myriad benefits available to them. So I'm um, so excited to, to be here with you and talk with the folks at ABC there in Massachusetts.
1: So, uh, for those that don't know, Ryan wrote a book called The Water Came to a Stop, and I picked up a copy. It's fantastic. So, why don't you tell us a bit about the, um, you know, writing a children's book and then, you know, why write a children's book about the trades? And given your background, you know, tell us about how how the book came to be.
2: Yeah. So, I'm a marketer by trade. So, uh, almost every experience I've had has some form of sales and marketing or business development. And so, again, you know, being in this business, I'm very in tune with. A lot of the chatter and the industry conversations around workforce development and obviously the shortage that we're having and experiencing and what we anticipate experiencing and about six years ago i was blessed with the news that i would have uh, a son at home and i think it really started to change my perspective on how do you prepare for your next of kin and i, I can remember a situation very clearly where the story, this particular story, the water came to a stop, was sort of uh, inspired by one of my young ones. I now have two boys at home. But, you know, using that really as the inspiration behind why write this, I kind of put on my hat and said, wait a second, can I do something proactively for our industry to help go after a lot of those school-age kids that, you know, let's call it the kitchen table conversations or living room conversations, you know, instead of waiting till middle school and high school to really start to determine what their path looks like. You know, the reality is, is that there's a lot of money spent and being spent on grants and apprenticeship programs, both tech opportunities. And I'm not saying those aren't important because they are immensely important. What I find though, is there has definitely been a lack of when kids are impressionable, focusing this message around things that aren't such the rational benefits to being in the trades. I mean, you hear a lot of stuff around It's all about looking at money, Uh, you know, don't worry about your, you know, all the debt you're going to incur if you go to college, yet no one really has talked to or focused on the emotional benefits. And again, as I mentioned, I'm a marketer by trade. This is an idea with putting a kid's book in front of the younger generation to really hit home the emotional side, how it makes you feel good, how you can actually help others. And there's a winner in this, a superhero or someone that can actually assist to, to fulfill problems. And so I felt pretty, pretty strongly about that. And then obviously with the kids at home, that was my inspiration. The only comment I would add, Michael, really uh, to this is that, you know, I'm not an author by trade. I mean, yes, I'm a marketing guy, but I just felt inspired to do something about this issue. This is my attempt to do that and really hope it inspires others to uh, get involved or or continue the message. And now
1: what was the the biggest challenge in 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 writing the book, because I said you're not an author by trade, right? So what was some of the challenges you faced in writing the book?
2: So I lovingly say this about my wife. Uh, the, the book went through 30 renditions with her red pen. Um, I would say <laughs> that was by far the biggest challenge was the constructive criticism that it took to get the book into great shape. Um, there were a lot of decisions when you look at how do you launch a book, right? I mean, you have to go and figure out to go the self-publish route. Do you go, you know, with some kind of a, a publisher Do you write it in a different stanza is what it's called of rhyming or do you, you know, make it more storytelling? Then you got to worry about the brand script and this, the story brand script, which basically means, okay, who's the hero? Who's the villain? How does the story resolve? And, you know, what are the message or the key points that you want in there? So, you know, it may not seem like it as a 36 page book, but that was a two year um, project, you know, really to put the first words down on paper till, you're holding it there in your hands that took about two two solid years and learned a lot in the process. And both on the creative side, how do you extract some of that creative energy into something like this, but then also in the business side, because there's, there's business decisions to be made about, you know, publishing to what do you price the book at? What's the best way to distribute it? Um, but generally, you know, I let the passion kind of drive me to finish it. And Again, I would be remiss if I didn't pull inspiration from friends, family, people in the industry that said, keep going. You know, I, I said, yeah, I'm writing this book. No one ever told me it was a crazy idea. And I would bring it up multiple times. Like, should I keep writing this thing? And they're like, yeah. And then I go, OK, the manuscript written. Do I stop now? They're like, no, keep going, keep going. And so the message has always been the the driver behind it. And everyone said that this should be something that's done. And as you've mentioned, too, having other children book authors on your podcast, it seems as though this is a good activity, uh, a good tactic to really generate excitement around skilled trades. And then, so
1: you said, did anybody tell you that you're you're crazy to do this? Did anybody say, don't do this? You're crazy. Why would you waste your time? Go do something else. Did anybody say that to you?
2: I would say not specifically, but implied, you know, where it's almost, okay, well, you're doing this, but why are you not doing something else, right? Whether it's your day job, you're your at home duties, um, things like that. And you know, I think the thing that I really realized in my career, and this is probably no different than a lot of the blue-collar folks that this book is for and about, and and supporting, is sometimes you just got to put in that extra effort. You know, that five a.m. is what I call my happy hour. That happy hour is focused around fulfilling projects like this. So, yeah, um, yeah, you'd have the idea, but then you have to put the energy behind executing it and dedicating yourself to it. And again, it's easy when you have the passion behind the message. It just kept driving me forward, even if there were naysayers along the way. And what, what is what is great about where I'm at today with the book and this message is it's opened up a lot of doors that I didn't really anticipate ever ever wow. happening, right? Both in my career and personally, I'm, I'm feeling a lot more fulfilled even in day to day with getting uh, discussions around uh, the skilled trades. You know, I'm, I'm now sought after in some cases as an expert on this, either in my day job or elsewhere, just just to have conversation so I'm really humbled by this very thankful for the opportunities granted to me and uh, but no I, I, all those naysayers out there it, limited as they may be was really about inspiring me with that passion to continue
1: and then uh, the one of the things that we and a shout out to Paige the plumber plumber Paige that you, you that you know uh, she said when she was growing up you know they had, Handy Manny. And they had, you know, they had things like that, that really put the trades in front of their faces while they were watching TV as kids. There's really nothing like that anymore. So to have a book that parents can read to to, to, to their children is fantastic. Now, the water can never stop. What's kind of like your strategic vision, your larger strategic vision with the book? Is it going to grow? Is it going to be more books? Can you talk about any of that?
2: Yeah, my hope is that we can put out more than one. Um, My goal from the very beginning was to make this a three-part series because I think there's a tie to all the contractors around uh, MEEP or the mechanical, electrical and plumbing industries. So, you know, what's interesting was I just recently came back from a work trip to uh, Canada and in Canada, they have a lot of these skilled trades that all kind of intertwine. So like basically the plumber is actually also the HVAC guy and vice versa where, I mean, again, this is more generalization about the United States, but the United States has, you know, a plumber is a plumber all day long and HVAC guy is that. And again, of course, there's overlap. Of course, there's blending, but typically that hasn't really been the case, except for recently in recent history. I think we're seeing more folks blend, um, you know, that pick up electrical work. Uh just putting, putting together a mini split, right? Or nowadays, you know, connecting a backflow preventer requires an internet connection, right? So, a lot of those uh, overlapping skilled trades, that's why I'm thinking this will be a three-part series. You know, sky's the limit. Uh, at the end of the day, if it helps me to continue, the message allows me to, to push this forward. And it's a um, uh, an avenue to promote uh, the message of positive reinforcement and why this work can be feel good for other people. Again, you know, I'm, I'm encouraged by that and sky's the limit, but I'm hoping to put out three to answer your question. Um, and one, one won't do it <laughs> for me. Yeah.
1: Now and then, so what was the writing process like? Because you know, did the plumbing in your house really stop working one day, and then you're like, "Oh, we should write a book about this," and you kind of created this whole universe, right, with Gomer the Gopher and flow Fish, yeah, and you know the family there, which is fantastic. the 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 writing is fantastic. the The illustrations are perfect. But what was the process like for you to come up with the book?
2: Yeah. So, you know, it's one of the, one of my recent interviews uh, the folks that were doing the interview asked me, so which one of your kids inspired you? And I said, I could never, never uh, spell out which one of them was, I can just tell you that one did. Um, But there was a situation uh, in in that, in that particular book. Now it wasn't as direct as maybe the book storyline was, but basically the, the child, my, one of my children was playing with a ball and, Notice that it, it banged into something. And so without giving away the, the plot, that's where I kind of connected it together. Uh, interestingly enough, the second book that I'm working on right now called The Air Came to a Stop, which is about an HVAC system that stopped working, that particular story point uh, where the um, turning point happens in that book was inspired by something directly one of my kids did. Again, we'll re- remain nameless. I will not name them, <laughs> but it was definitely inspired by something that they did. And then more importantly, how was it resolved? You know, So that particular situation was resolved uh, similarly, uh, meaning uh, they called uh, a contracting company, they came out and looked at it, the particular issue that one of my children caused and uh, it was resolved from there. So, but generally speaking, yeah, it, uh, th- there, were, there was a situation that happened and pretty hilariously, um, we figured it out from, from that interaction.
1: And then, uh, like you said, your dad had two boys, husband, right? And a dad. How did you find time to write the book? Where did you get the time to squeeze all this in to, to your busy life?
2: Great question. It's at 5 a.m. happy hour, right? That's where a lot of the pen to paper happened. Uh, a lot of sessions, I would say, one thing that, that my wife and I think have really realized, and probably a lot of married couples have too, which is you sort of need that alone time without the kids, and whether it's to talk about where you're going on vacation, you're going, you know, the work stuff at home, personal, professional, how are we doing in the relationship? And so a lot of the editing, I would say, happened over those sessions, right? Where she was like, yeah, let me take another look at the book. And then we would talk through it. Again, very supportive. She has been great helping me move this thing forward. In some ways, it shouldn't, the book shouldn't say, imagine by by Ryan, it should be be my wife's name, you know, And and with the editing and the amount of work that she did. I don't know that I can properly give for a lot of the credit, but yeah, between the idea, the writing of it, and then the distribution, it, it was all done in those after hours, right? The you know the the uh, early mornings. For me, you know, it was never late nights. So maybe some other creative types get better activity at that time. Not for me. Uh, I think by eight thirty or nine o'clock, my head's on that pillow and I'm out every night. Yeah. Doesn't matter if it's Saturday or Sundays. But I'm up ready to go and start working hard and uh, on this creative work and, and get then- it done.
1: Anybody that we've talked to in the in the trades world, right, knows that you know there's going to be a perfect storm, you know, involving a future shortage of skilled trades workers. Do you consider this issue one of the industry's most imminent challenges? And what are some ways you think we can solve it?
2: I do. I, I do think that this is by far our most uh, troubling issue. It's an advocacy issue too. It's not just an awareness issue. I feel pretty strongly about that. We will not resolve this worker shortage with. even though I'll say it to my chagrin with children's books alone, right? It has to be part of an advocacy uh, regulatory change or, or legislative change in some cases. Um, Part of the problem that I see here is, is that there is, you know, it's a lot of discussion around, you know, more money, more money, more money. And I don't know that that is always necessary, the best Avenue. It has to be more about what can we be doing uh, to change hearts and, and minds on this issue as well. So, it's a combination of all those things. I think that um, the groups that are doing this well have to partner together. I've seen a great movement online with social media, particularly around promoting children's books to promoting positive stories, promoting women in the trades, another big issue uh, that, that is totally untapped or even minorities. You know these are these are opportunities to, for recruitment, opportunities for finding the next person to help do this work and sort of try to eliminate some of those stigmas around, you know, how do you get people to do the, this in-home activities? The reality is, as I've talked a lot about uh, prior, the reality is that a lot of these uh, installations that occur of equipment now require, um, you know, more than just mechanical aptitude. It requires uh, technology aptitude. It requires, you know, ability to work with other people. Um, and some of this work, you know, again, maybe it was seen as, you know, it's only with my hands. It's also with the minds. It's also relative to making sure that, uh, th- th- that these systems are all working together. So I think that, th- that those message points have to happen. The other part that I see is very challenging is, you know I mentioned this pulling all together, but there's too much fragmentation happening right between the manufacturer level, the trade association. Level. We're all trying to attack the same problem, but none of us are attacking it coordinated in the same way. We're going to be way more powerful organized. We're going to be way more powerful with the same message, same tool set, and attacking this all. Maybe even at the same time. Last point I'll make is I was recently reading the Wall Street Journal and it talked a lot about uh, you know skilled trade shortages across the board, right? You know this is this isn't just with the the dirty jobs. Let's call it a bar industry. I was just reading an article about broadband, and so these broadband installers are also uh, very challenged right now. So how do you how do you get high speed internet into rural communities? You need these broadband installers to be available to put that material and, and uh, uh, hook up the lines and the wiring together. And they're also going through shortages. So at the end of the day, this work can't be automated. It can't be outsourced. You know, Maybe one day when there's a uh, self-install water heater or self-install uh, HVAC <laughs> system, which I don't think is going to happen anytime soon, these are jobs we're going to need. And so I view it as our most critical thing. Technology will help resolve some of it but it won't resolve all of it.
1: And because you've got your MBA right and you've been in the industry for for more than a decade, if you had a chance to, you know, talk to some young executives and, and, and try to get them to stay in touch with the industry and become better at business, you know, what books or podcasts would you recommend that those young executives read, listen to, watch to 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 teach them more about the trades?
2: It's a great question. So typically a lot of my books I read are going to be about, let's say, business practices or, or other things. I'm a big Seth Godin fan on the marketing side. Um, from a management standpoint, one of my favorite all-time books is Managing from the Heart. A mentor of mine gave it to me pretty early in my career. I've used it and read that book more times than I like to admit. Um, it, it's, a, it's a great read. But on, on the industry itself, I always tend to favor towards a lot of the trade publications and the trade uh, podcasts. Um, I know the name sounds a little bit of a misnomer, but the HVAC jerks is by far one of my most favorite podcasts uh, in our space. Uh, there's a lot of really good podcasts out there, too, like Blue Collar CEOs. That's another great one I listen to pretty regularly, especially if you're interested in you know the mechanical side. Look, I think I think our industry, it does two things. It, it combines mechanical aptitude with business um, acumen. If you do one or the other well, you'll have work. So it's not the job Dev both, but the people that do both well really excel in our industry. Um, but you know, I know it may be a bit of a uh, a passe kind of thing to say, but I just fundamentally believe the trade media is by far our best tool, one that we use the most. At least I do with my research between reading, you know, case studies and installs to articles to you know, where's the next social media influencer? Something going to happen with all these different online uh, players right now, which is so exciting. Um, so without naming any of those publications, there's a ton out there. I really highly recommend any listener to do that. And many times even the emails are free, so you don't even have to sign up for a subscription, or maybe you go to your local wholesaler or your, uh, place that maybe you do business with maybe a manufacturer rep, even us, uh, you know, again, I work for a manufacturer, uh, on the plumbing side, ask us for dollars for this stuff, you know, for a good, um, uh opportunity to get you and these young executives well versed in what the industry is, does, and continues to be. There's plenty of resources there and we'd be happy to point people to it. I'd also mention to Michael on my I, although it's not a plug for my website, um I do have a lot of those listed on the on my website too, things that I that I listen to uh, a lot of the websites like heatinghelp.com is a big supporter. Uh, great website for learning more information. But um yeah, there, there's so many out there. I couldn't even name them all, but great question.
1: Um, another great thing is on the front of the book it says that percentage of the proceeds will benefit Skills USA. Well, how did you get tied in with the
2: folks over at Skills USA? Great question too. So I started my career with uh, getting introduced with the Skills USA through my local PHCC chapter. So in Pennsylvania, it's funny the guy that's the executive director is still the guy that's the executive director, Mike Mike McGraw, and um, got introduced to PHCC, which then got me hooked up with the folks down at Skills USA. Uh, again, more on the regional level. But then I got hooked into their executive director a couple of years ago. So uh, Shell, um, so I've been working with her and talking to her about this project that I have, and it's just sort of a line that you know they they would support it and allow me to kind of donate the proceeds to to them. Um, they've been a great partner. You know, Skills USA has an incredible amount of resources across the apprenticeship, skilled trades, whether it's you know different welding to mechanical to plumbing. Um, they're, they're fantastic. They do a great event in Louisville, Kentucky every year with different trainings. So I got hooked up with their executive director and, uh, and, uh, haven't really looked back since they're a great partner. Uh, and, uh, they've great advocacy days as well, going back to one of your questions earlier. So it's not just about awareness and outreach, but what did they do? You know, walk in the halls in DC and knocking on those doors and promoting this message. So I felt pretty strongly about them as an organization and it was an easy decision.
1: Yeah, we also do some stuff with skills. We we're saying uh, regionally up here. I think, uh, I think this week, this week, this week, the skills USA in Massachusetts is going off. I think Friday we're going to take a little office field trip over there to see the the final day or the award ceremony. But uh, and then, did you want to give a shout out to the illustrator? I know Lana Lee did the illustrating. Uh, how did you find Lana, and how did you get her to do such an amazing job?
2: Okay, so this is of everything that I've done in writing this book, I believe this is the most interesting thing, believe it or not. So um, I am not an illustrator by trade. I am not a designer by trade. Yes, I'm a marketing person, but I would say I've been more on the, the data side of marketing or the sales enablement and business development side of marketing than I have been maybe on the more creative side. And so I, very much a weakness of mine was be how do you get these this particular book designed? And so- I got turned onto a website, maybe you've heard of it, called Fiverr.com and started to look at freelance options. And what's great about that, that uh, particular website, you can filter for whatever the project is that you need for and really refine down and look for the right fit for you. And so I got a couple um, artwork samples provided, no charge. Typically, they'll do something quick as a mock-up for you to look at. And very clearly, you know, Lana is talented. I mean, you can see it in the illustrations. She articulates well. It's her own style. You know, it doesn't look bland and basic. You know, she has a lot of different color schemes that are going on. And, you know, for me, it was very important to, like, make sure, A, it still had a good design, but also not lose too much of this being, you know, it's mechanical drawings, if you will. It's, you know, it's kind of hard to really make those creative, but you don't want to be so dense either. So, Lana did a great job. Um, She was easy to work with. I would get, um, and this is the other part about the experience. Once you hire a a freelancer, typically they'll use all these different tools to communicate with you. I've never talked to Lana once on the phone. I've only emailed her or or sent Teams messages uh, or WhatsApp messages with her. And, but within, you know, a couple sentences, within a couple of specific, amazingly pointed questions, she extracted out of me what I was looking for. Um, and described it and just executed well uh, I think we maybe made two revisions on the whole book uh, as it was being developed and she did an incredible job she continues to do an incredible job uh, i've looked at her work that she's been producing i mean she's backed up for months and luckily uh, i have a pretty good relationship with her every couple months i'll messenger her and just say hey I'm still working on my next one you like just let me know when you're ready you know I'll move you up but uh, she's a great great asset uh, but again I encourage anybody if you've never looked at fiverr.com for uh, any kind of creative work to, to check it out. It's incredible what's out there for the freelance side.
1: I was talking to Ryan before we hit, hit the record button, but you know when I used to read to my kids all the time, right? They always pick the same couple of books, and you can only read the, the Berenstain Bears so many times. And it's like I can't read the same Berenstain Bears book. So I used to open the book and I would just kind of like describe the photo to them, to my kids, and they, you know, I would say, "Where's the, you know, where's the apple?" And they would pick out, point to the apple. Right? This is a great one to do that with. Uh, it's so well illustrated, and at the very back of the book, it has this little part where it kind of gives out some uh, word association exercises, and you can kind of find that match the picture. So I would definitely use that to, like, okay, let's find this picture of this drill, and let my little guys. So I wouldn't have to read for hours on end, but they used, they would love it. They would, my my little guys would go crazy for this thing. It'd be, it'd be I don't know if I could read to my fifteen year old anymore. He probably you know wouldn't think it was cute. Dad's reading a book, but I may read this to him. Just to see how uh, what he thinks. Uh, And then another fun question we always like to ask you, what do you do when you're not writing books and doing marketing and and doing all that stuff? And what are some things you guys like to do for fun down there in Pennsylvania?
2: So family first, I would say, obviously, with the two boys at home, um, that's where a lot of my time is spent day to day, whether it's wrangling them. um, I'll say managing them. It's probably not the great word parenting. (laughs) You know, it feels like management some days. But, you know, very easily when all those things are satisfied, where my heart is, is, is in, in the musical side, whether that's with drums or uh, other things. So I'm actually a drummer. I've been playing for, geez, a long time, 20 plus years um, and just love playing, playing music. I probably practice something every day in my garage uh, drum set mostly. So not like percussion or, or orchestra or, or marching band, even though that stuff's really cool, too. Uh, I've often kitted both in recording podcasts, but also, uh, in my day to day that if someone if a drum manufacturer came calling, you know, today or tomorrow and said, Hey, would you come work for me? I probably would do it. Um, and I can <laughs> say that, you know, for the plumbing and HVAC industry, but I mean, I just love everything about them between the way they're made, the materials they're made out of the sounds that are produced, the players that play on them, the history, uh, drums is, is where my heart is for sure. And, uh, do really love doing it. Any
1: any of the, any of your boys have the musical aptitude part of them.
2: So uh, probably like most parents, both boys have different skill sets and interests, even at six and four. Um, My oldest one has, uh, he he is probably by far the smartest person in our entire house. I'm not kidding. It's not even a ruse. I think he's going to be way smarter than my wife and I. I. He has so many different interests. I would say music is probably least of his. Um, In a funny story, he just learned how to play chess a week ago, and yesterday night he said, "Dad, I want to play in chess." I said, "Sure." And so I'm playing against him. And wouldn't you know it? He had me in checkmate within 15 moves. I I just couldn't believe it.
1: Ryan, never let him win, Ryan. You never let him win. You never. You you should have said, "Oh, secret new rule, Dad's rule. It's called super checkmate, where I get."
2: Then you. Knock the board over and be like,
1: ah, yeah, nah, oops,
2: the <laughs> sabotage them. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> right. uh, but uh, definitely, of the two, I would say Will, my youngest, is probably the more musically interested. And it probably with him, also similarly, he has more of an aptitude around. Um, you know, things like monster trucks to the motorcycles to, you know, he likes playing with things. He likes playing by himself sometimes, but you know, when dad's playing the drums, it's a little loud for him. That part, I don't think he's really into, but I think that physicalness of of taking a stick and playing it on something I've seen him play on my five gallon buckets in the garage to, you know, looking at drums. So I think, I think he would be, my money's behind him that I think he's going to be the musical one. Um, Yeah. And, and, but I will say my oldest and I, you know, we went to, uh, a drum show in Delaware about a month or two ago and met, if you're, if you all know the, the famous drummer, Bernard Purdy, he's an inventor of the Purdy shuffle um, player with James Brown, parliament, people like that. And uh, my, my oldest definitely liked that. Again, I, he might've liked being more with dad, maybe than the musical stuff with the drum show. But um, I think of the two of them though, my money's on my youngest. I think he's going to be knock on wood, maybe the, uh, the drummer on Broadway. That would be a really cool goal to have. So.
1: All right, so the book's called The Water Candy or Stop. Ryan did a fantastic job doing that, but now comes everybody's favorite part of the podcast. It's called the Lightning Round. We're gonna ask him 10 rapid fire questions to see what he comes up with here. The first one is gonna be uh, if you had your own late night talk show, who would you invite as your first guest?
2: Easy. Mike Portnoy. Uh so he's the drummer with the band, he was the drummer with a band named Dream Theater. Uh, Mike Portnoy is one of my favorite. He is the my he is the favorite, the favorite drummer of all time. Uh, Mike is an incredibly nice guy, very humble. He's been on Grammy nominations. He's an incredibly well read. He knows a lot about movies. Um, you name it, I, I could just talk to that man for hours. He's an inspiration. It's an easy one, Mike Portnoy.
1: All right, uh, the sixties, the seventies, the eighties, or the nineties. Which decade? Well, which decade do you love the most, and why?
2: So I would say 80s uh, very clearly. I'm um, an 80s kid and uh, a lot of memories with the 80s, obviously growing up in that age range between the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and, and, and Nintendo and, yep. and other things. And look, I'm an old millennial and I'm okay with that. And I don't apologize for it. And, uh, you know, I, I, I just think the 80s were the best with all the different color schemes, the hairdo, the the yep. different uh, opportunities and the cars. I mean, no, 80s.
1: Yeah, I, I'm a children of the '80s as well. And if you see the background there, our, our logo is kind of '80s, kind of kind of looks like it's out of the '80s. So I, 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 love the '80s myself. Um, what, uh, what is your favorite television? Uh, what is your favorite fictional family television? Uh, fictional family from television. I'm sorry.
2: Fictional Favorite, yeah fictional cultures.
1: family on TV okay
2: so if it was a real family I would say all the folks on Pon stars I think the three of them especially when the dad was still alive the granddad my god he was the best and but then you have to include chum chum in there as well um so fictional I guess my mind immediately went to American dad uh, you know I, I <laughs> I like that show because it's so absurd. It also has some of the maybe a sense of my political beliefs and backgrounds a little bit in the hair in that show. And then between just the comical situation that they get themselves into <laughs> an alien for a son, yeah, I'd say American dad. Uh,
1: what sport would you compete in if you were in the Olympics?
2: That's a great question. I who I would take the serious answer, which would probably be baseball. that's where I played as a kid. I would try to go something maybe funny, like create a new eating contest of some kind. Like, you know, we have hot dogs, but could you do donut eating? Could you do ice cream eating? <laughs> something like that, eat the most. So yeah, I want one of those. Uh,
1: if you could have uh, any uh, superpower, what would it be and why?
2: Superpower. So I think superpower would be to be all knowing. I think that would be an incredibly useful tool is just to know everything. But the gift being not exercising it. Right. So you're almost like, boy, am I sounding like a a God here, but the idea is like, you know, the, the ends and beginnings of things, but you let people kind of guide themselves to the decision and then they are able to execute on, on whatever that decision is. Um, Yeah. I would say that would, I guess the technical term is what omniscient, omnipotent one of those. Yeah. Uh, Weirdest food you've ever eaten. Weirdest food. So (laughs) this is going to be kind of funny Um, so like I mentioned, I was recently in in Canada for work, I was at a dinner with them and they were talking about all the differences in their food between the U S and Canada. And I made a comment without hesitating, which is the Canadian Kit Kats are the worst Kit Kat bar. And they all thought it was the craziest thing. And I said, I'm telling you, they taste different. The U S version tastes way different than the Canadian version. And as, so someone at the table started to, uh, fact check me. And found out that actually it is true. The Kit Kat bar in Canada is made with a little bit less of the uh, milk chocolate than the U.S. version is made, and they're made by two different manufacturers. In the U.S., it's made by Hershey's, and Canada, it's made by Nestle. So ah, see, Canadian Kit Kat bars.
1: You, you learn something new every day. Uh, if you could go to Mars, would you, and why, or why not?
2: I would not go to Mars. I think that I'd rather go. I like earth too much. Uh, I think it is interesting though, what they're doing to study Mars with the water and seeing whether or not there was ever a life form there. Um, but alien and intergalactic travel is probably a little outside of my wheelhouse for sci-fi interests and just general interests. So I would say, no, I like it here on earth. I would never go to Mars.
1: Uh, are you a coffee or tea drinker?
2: Coffee a hundred percent. I like, I probably drink anywhere between sixteen to twenty-two ounces a day, um, spread out through the morning. Stop drinking by ten thirty. Prefer black, but if I have milk, it's got to be almond or uh, soy, or I, I even love oat milk in it. No sugar. Uh, and as a mentor once told me, you don't drink anything else in your your coffee um, if you add sugar and things, in, then it's a milkshake. So, how
1: about um, do you have a local place near you that where you like to get your coffee? Like, what's a, what's a good coffee joint near you?
2: Near me. Uh, so I hate to admit it, but it's typically either the Wawa, which is a Pennsylvania convenience <laughs> store chain. Um, they make pretty cheap and great coffee if it's on the go. Uh, but I'll, I will say one of my my interests just generally is looking at different local coffee houses and trying them all out. There is a bunch. There's one in Jenkintown, Pennsylvania that I really like. Uh, another in Fort Washington, PA that I, I really like. Um, so generally I do try to throw my money towards the local Folks, because I like some of the atmosphere, the relaxation, yep. the, et cetera. But
1: yeah, yeah. and the, the last question I'm asking this is more Pennsylvania themed.
2: Do you like Scrapple? Love Scrapple. Uh, you need to eat it <laughs> fried and you need to eat it with syrup, not ketchup, <laughs> but it has to be fried.
1: For those of you that don't know what Scrapple is, you can, I won't say it, but you can Google what Scrapple is, or uh, we could talk about it another time. But uh, Scrapple is a Pennsylvania thing. Southern I think generally
2: it is. Yeah. I think generally it may have some other overlap with some other country even, but Scrapple is for sure. I'll also look, um, I'll put another plug out there. They don't pay me to say this, but you mentioned Scrapple. You know, I was born and raised in Lancaster County. You go to Shady Maple. Shady- oh, I was going to say oh, that. It's the best place ever. Got to go to Shady Maple. You
1: got to no. go to Shady Maple. When we go to Pennsylvania to visit my friend down there, we make a special trip to Shady Maple. It is like no other place on the planet I've ever seen.
2: Look, you can get your the different meats between bologna and scrapple, yeah. you know, all kinds of things. Then also keep going to, to Hershey's. By the way, there's a bunch of uh, chocolate factories in Pennsylvania. You know, we're known for a lot down here, food-wise, pretzels, all kinds of stuff. So Shitty Maple thing. is a
1: gigantic buffet run by the Amish, owned by the Amish, Amish, right? Uh, mm-hmm. You pull up, there's the Amish wagons in the parking lot. The Amish own the place. They work at the place. It's an amazing. It's like nothing. It. it I know that Pennsylvania is only three or four miles away from where we are in Massachusetts, but it just seems like it's another world away because it's it, it's so beautiful there. The rolling hills, you're out. You know, I, I love it. Uh, scrapple. Uh, yeah, all so, right, Ryan, well, so tell us again, how, where can they get the book? How can, how can they get a hold of you? Because it's amazing. What's the best way to grab the book? How can they get a hold of you?
2: Well, first of all, thank you for having me. Thank you for, for allowing me to talk about the book and the skilled trades. Uh, I feel very passionate about it, hopefully as, as the, your listeners have heard, but generally you can find the book on amazon.com. Uh, it's probably the best way to order it, especially if you have Amazon prime, they guarantee you three day shipping in both the U S and Canada. So um, it's the best option. And I love what they're doing with the printing and then um, print to a local print shop to wherever you're ordering it from and they'll get it to you in three days. So that's the best option. And you can always find additional information about the book and plumbing overall on my website on Um, Look, at the end of the day, I'm a, a mere cog in this wheel to promote the skilled trades gap and help move this forward. You know, every proceed, uh, 2% of the proceeds go to USA, as you mentioned. Um, it's, still, it's a great resource. It's a great industry. Um, it's a good book. Even if you're not sure about the plumbing industry and you're not sure whether or not you want to, I think it's a good read. Pick it up, share it. Donate to your local library after you're finished with it.
1: And uh, when's the next book coming out? Can you tell us when that one's coming out?
2: So I originally shot for the second quarter of this year. I'm a little behind. Um, I'm I'm now saying to people it will be out by the end of this year. That's my next goal.
1: Buy it for your family and put it in the put the Christmas put it in the stocking with the Christmas gifts.
2: That's right. Awesome,
1: exactly. love it. Thanks, Ryan. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Ryan, for that awesome interview. Scrapple sounds super interesting. I'm not sure if I would try it. Maybe if I, you know, I eat hot dogs on a regular, so might try it, but I'm not too sure about it.
0: What do you guys think? No. No. It's a no for you, Allison. Maybe a bite. That's it. What about you,
1: Mike? Uh, I have tried it and I'm not a fan. Well, there you go. So, Scrapple, not a fan on Mike's side. Allison and I will most likely not try it. We have trainings coming up uh, for the month of May. Allison, what do we
0: have? Lots of trainings going on. Uh, First, we have an OSHA 10 hour for construction coming up. That's going to be on May 9th and 10th. You do have to attend both classes to get the full certification. Uh, That's going to be at the ABC GCI Wilburn office. At the ABC GCI Woburn office on May 13th, we'll have signal certification and basic rigging safety. It's going to be a full day class, and it's going to be a really good one. And then just in time for summer, we have a first aid CPR class on May 23rd. Again, at the ABC GCI Woburn office, come hang out with us, come see the space, come take a class. We would love to see you. But you can find all of these trainings and the rest of the trainings we have available through December 2023 at ABC No. You can find all of these trainings and the rest of the trainings we have through December 2023 at gwgci.org forward slash events.
1: And now it's time for the news. Uh, the weekly update is brought to you by Kenny and Sam's. They help uh, help us out with this. So Charlie Chippewa does a great job putting all this together in his weekly newsletter blast. So uh, first off, the GCI is always looking for construction supervisor license holders that can teach a class uh, we've seen a huge need in the past couple of months uh, for companies members and non-members looking for this type of training so if you know someone out there that can teach the construction supervisor license kind of a prep class to take the exam reach out to me mike at gwgci.org and we also want to remind everybody that uh national safety stand down with osha is may 1st through the 5th to help prevent falls and construction the uh, stop falls stand down can include things like plan a two blocks talk or other safety activity. Take a break to talk about how to prevent falls and provide training for all your workers. If you need help with any of that training, reach out to Diane at gwci.org. Uh And it's another fun fact: the newsletter says in more than half of U.S. states, at least ninety percent of the construction workforce does not belong to a union. So that was a kind of an eye opener for me. I did not know that. Uh, we've got some upcoming events coming up. Carol's done a fantastic job putting these events together, uh, as well as Allison, too, was this Building Your Foundation Contractor Fundamental Seminar Series. Uh, If you need to sign up, reach out to Allison or or Carol.
0: If you need to sign up, you can reach out to Carol. We also have the, I believe the link has been going out via email, and I believe also Carol has it linked on our website. You can also find it um, on Eventbrite.
1: And the goal with this series is to help our member firms with some of the fundamental aspects of running a construction business so that you can focus on achieving success. Uh, we'd love to see a lot of members sign up for that. We've got mm-hmm. the cars and contractors for a cause coming up on Thursday, May 4th from 4 to 7 out at Interstate, uh, at the North Boric of their location. It's out at 70 Trouble Co. Road. And there'll be a one-of-a-kind mobile pub. You can enjoy brick oven pizza cooked in a converted fire truck. There's going to be Uh, vendors there. There'll be a detailing person there. There's going to be Cornhole. There's going to be Big wheel Races. It's going to be such a great time. Uh, We also also have the Student Appreciation Night coming up May 18th. And we're proud to announce that Carhartt has now signed on that uh, the first 20 graduating students that sign up and attend will receive a Carhartt jacket of their choice. So if you're a student listening and you're looking to Get yourself a nice jacket. You have to register and attend on May 18th out at Polar Park. And then the golf outing is up. So golf outing, uh, it's an annual event here at ABC Masters and the Gould Construction Institute. Golf tournament, Pine Hills, June 15th, down in Plymouth, Mass. It's an unbelievable golf course. You can register on the ABC website. All right, what else we got coming up here? Let me see here. Shout out to Erland. Uh, they partnered with the Inn School on an ice rink renovation. So, congratulations to Erland. Deco announces virtual design solutions. They are proud to announce they now uh, have a 3D laser scanning and virtual design solution that supports projects with 3D scanned models and point clouds to integrate piping models and skidded systems that are generated in virtual environments, supporting building information models. You can find out more in your newsletter. And RH uh, White to host an open house in conjunction with their 100th anniversary. Can you imagine being on for 100 years? That's crazy. Nope. Uh, May 12th, out at their uh, customer and partner open house on Friday, May 12th, 1 to 5, at his offices in Auburn, Mass. So if you have questions about the open house or the anniversary, reach out to D-Rice at rhwhite.com on May 1st. Congrats to all current and past employees of the great company. And as always, if you want to be on the podcast, reach out to any one of us, all three of us. We can look you up, get you on here. We are looking forward to having some guests on. Uh, next week's going to be good when we've got Vera, chairperson of the ABC board. It's going to be amazing. She's going to be a great guest. And uh, like I said, thanks again to the two co-hosts for 70 episodes. This is great.
0: And with that, be sure to follow us on Instagram at ABCGCI Coffee Break. Be sure to follow us on all the places that you listen to podcasts and rate us five stars. Leave us a nice little note, a nice little review. It makes us happy. It makes us smile. And don't you want that? We'll catch you all next week. Thanks for tuning in.